This is April 12th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Uh, And in this episode, Connor and I got into talking about the biggest storyline facing this team right now, which is the goaltending. The goaltending. Linus Olmark or Jeremy Swayman. Huge question. Batman versus Superman. Who do you take and why? And we still got some time until the playoffs, but it feels like the waves are starting to shift towards Linus Olmark and his direction. We also get into some other injury stuff, avoiding injuries as well. Uh, and we get into some interesting Tory Krug conversation, where the Bruins are uh, and where they've come since uh, letting Tory Krug go to the St. Louis Blues, since he returns to TD Garden Ice on Tuesday night. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Fresh off the Frozen Four. Uh, we were close on our predictions. I had Minnesota State beating Denver. Obviously, if the, if the game ended after two periods, maybe that would have been the case. But nonetheless, it was not the case. Denver went on to win. Uh, it looked The score looked bigger than it actually was. It was right, a very yeah. close game. Um, but good times, good times. You were there Thursday. I was there both days. Uh, and then you went down to DC where you get to see, uh, the Bruins in person in DC. What did you think of Capital One Arena? Uh, it's the loudest arena I've <laughs> ever been to in my life. And it's like one, like the playlist, not great. It's like just EDM remixes of like Pitbull, not like, not yes. what you want to have, but it's also just 305. So, <laughs> it's so jarring just how loud it is like not just like the mix and like the speakers which it's not like vegas's arena where like the subwoofers like underneath you so you can like feel it like that it's just like blaring at all times so like even the announcer who is a little bit more pep in his step in terms of like how he was announcing and like like shrieking into the mic but it's just something about you know they must have souped up their audio systems because I don't know how you could be a beat writer for that team and do 40 plus, maybe 50 games in the playoffs at that, at that arena, because I thought I was going to like walk out of uh, onto the streets of DC afterwards and just have like a ringing in my ear the entire time. So it it takes a toll. I imagine. Yeah. Like when you leave like a concert or a nightclub and you walk outside, you're like, what? What? I can't hear anything. That's what Um, it felt like. Yeah. That's a weird thing to, I guess you might, maybe if you grow up in that, you get used to it. Yeah, but like that does sound kind of unpleasant for like so much time. Um, but who knows? Maybe it was just because of a big Sunday afternoon matchup against uh, against the Bruins. But I think the biggest storyline going right now, uh, and we will get to Tory Krug's return later in this episode. Uh, the someone asked on, I'll, I'll get to that later. I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. No, but the biggest storyline facing the Bruins right now is back in net. Right, we're back to square one in net, but in kind of a good way. Right. Uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a weird sense, because on one hand, you have Jeremy Swayman, who was dominant when he came back uh, from uh, when Rask retired and Swayman was back in the net. One rookie of the month in February was outstanding. Uh, he's kind of fallen on some hard times uh, in March. And 
uh, early in April wasn't too terrific. Uh, and Olmark was sort of uh, the same, the flip-flop, right? Olmark was not so great in January, February. Now he's been on a hot streak. Even in that game against Washington, that game could have been very much uh, more goals in favor of Washington. It was not because Olmark was making incredible saves with his glove, which by the way, his glove has not looked great really a lot this year. It looked terrific. Uh, on Sunday. And the question comes down to granted, we're kind of far out from the playoffs. It's like 11, 10, 11 games right now, but it's coming up quick. Comes down to who would start in game one. And Cass, I, I saw this on Twitter. Bruce Cassie said to uh, Gresham Keith on EEI. I hope this, by the way, is accurate because they tweeted a picture of Mac Jones and Cam <laughs> Newton with this tweet. So I'm hoping this quote is real. Bruce Legends. Bruce Legends. Um, he said, if you're asking, thinking ahead of the playoffs would be the guy we're undecided right now. Could be both. We're not sure yet. Who is the guy or can they flip-flop? Uh, I mean, if you ask me right now who would get the nod in game one, I think it has to be Olmak. I think you just look at the way he's playing right now and the way Swayman's kind of struggling. Um, I, I would imagine Olmark gets first dibs, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they go into this with that tandem and net in terms of riding the hot hand and seeing how guys are, are dealing with it. And who knows, maybe it's, Olmark's in a groove. You don't want to disturb him and you ride that hot hand. But if he plays well in, you know, one game and struggles the next, maybe, you know, Swayman gives you that extra oomph with the fact that he's back in the lineup. But it's such a tough thing to navigate, right? Because how many times do we see teams go into it with a game plan and it it switches up or you've got the narrative, all right, like, are you going to lose confidence? If you're a guy like Olmark, for example, say he gets the, the nod in game one and struggles, and then you go right to Swayman. How does that you know impact his confidence? Like, there's a lot of other factors that come into it when you are you know going into the playoffs with this tandem and net. And it's something that you map it out and you put it on paper. You're like, oh, this could really work. These guys, they love each other. They give these big hug. Everyone's big happy. Then you get it. Yeah. Then you get into the playoffs and you get kind of a, a one game audition. You're you struggle a little bit, and all of a sudden you're not seeing the ice for the rest of the playoffs like you know it's one of those things it's it's definitely different when you have to navigate it over the course of you know a, a playoff series so if you ask me who gets the nod right now I think it has to be Olmark um, again as you said we've got plenty of time to see if a guy like Swayman can rebound and uh, you know get his game back in order and it's a good problem for the Bruins to have right if Omar keeps on playing like this in this you know stretch that he's in he's your number one guy. You don't have to worry about it. But all of a sudden, if this competition brings the best out of Swayman, I think if you look at both of them, who gives you your best odds if, or gives you your best chance to win, if they're both on their game, I'd probably lean Swayman, but right. you've got, you've got the luxury to at least roll with the guy who's giving you better returns right now in Olmark. And if things go haywire, you at least have a backup option there. Just it's going to depend on where Swayman is at his game. Cause if Swayman's kind of the same player, he's been the last few weeks the last month or so it's not a guy you really want to maybe turn to in the playoffs like hey i know you're struggling here's carol here's carolina here's toronto right like <laughs> you enjoy this in the playoffs like no pressure at all so it's definitely a tough thing to navigate but um i would say omar gets first dibs at least right now yeah again omar's more experienced like i think that's another thing we're overlooking is like omar is a veteran compared to swayman um and maybe he can step in there i also think the other interesting thing from from the other perspective is like from, from the coaching perspective, I think if you're going to flip-flop goalies, right? Let's say in a series, you lead with Olmark. He's okay in game one. You lose. Game two, he's not great. You lose. You put in Swayman. He's not so great in game three. You go back to Olmark, and suddenly you're just flip-flopping, and you lose the series. 
suddenly from a coaching perspective, you're getting questioned like crazy because that's a very unconventional thing to do. You don't really see teams do that with their goaltending, um, especially, you know, teams like to go in with one set goalie. But I mean, you look at the Islanders last year and that, you know, they, they switched off between their two guys. And I think it might be possible again, like if Omar carries you through round one, starts to, you know, starts to trip up in round two, you put Swayman in. Like, I think there's a way you can do it. I think it, it just can't be like one game tryouts, right? It can't yes. be like three goals on 24 shots. You're out next guy in. So I think that's a really tough thing to kind of figure out. As I said last week, though, with a guy like Swayman, you look at the way he responded after getting sent down because of Rask's retirement and how he was so motivated by that. You do wonder if kind of not starting him game one motivates him. So if Omar starts to trip up, you can throw Swayman right in and it's all good. So interested to see uh, how this plays out because I don't quite know because uh, it's just been waves, right? They, they go right. for months stretched at a time. Maybe like Omar's month will be uh, March and April. So then like May will start Swayman again, you know, Swayman can have May and June. So uh, we will see with all that. The other two, uh, the other dynamic duo on the Bruins who are experiencing some struggles on the injury front, Hampus Lindholm and David Pasternak both out uh, and have been out now for a couple games. Um, clearly a big loss. You see Pasternak being out as a huge loss for the power play. The power play has been a shell of itself for a, quite a few games now. And then Hampus Lindholm being off that back end uh, has definitely been difficult. When are these guys coming back? And how, I, I think it's really showing how important these guys are for the playoffs. Cause if you're without either of these guys for any time during the playoffs, you're in trouble. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where you look at this point of the schedule and it's such a, not pointless, but it feels like you're just biding your time here, right. Over the last couple weeks of the season where, I mean, you still got seedings and matchups up for grabs, which are going to change pretty much every other day, every day, pretty much because of the fact that these teams are so packed in points wise, but you just feel like you just want to fast forward, right. And get to the start of the playoffs. Cause one, you're still risking injury where it's, you know, other guys that go down with uh, missing time. You look at Matt Grizzlick, who's the latest guy who they clearly missed him in that game against Washington. Um, don't know what his status is yet, but you hope it's something where he's not missing an extended stretch. Cause it looked like, it looked like his shoulder uh, when he left that game, which is not great. Um, not, fun, not good, but yeah, you kind of look at the situation. I imagine if you're the Bruins at this point, I'm not fretting over you need to get Lindholm in right away, or you don't need to rush these guys back because let's face it, even though, you know, probably there's some fans who still feel like Toronto is your best bet. And again, Toronto has a clear flaw in terms of their goaltending, but they're a good team, man. Like Austin Matthews is going off right now. It's not a team that uh, you should take lightly, but you can also chalk it up to the fact that we're going to let our rest our guys and not really fret over who we're playing in the first round, because let's face it, it's going to be tough, whoever they play. Like it could be Toronto, could be Carolina, which I think a lot of team, a lot of Bruins fans are not thrilled with uh, that potential matchup. But also, Carolina's kind of dipped a little bit, and the Rangers are now surging too. So, is are the Rangers a team you want to play in the first round? Which it's not a very good five on five team. So, you could kind of exploit that matchup, but Shesterkin is Shesterkin. Like he could win you series by himself. So, it's pick your poison at this point of who you end up playing. Uh, you can make arguments for how the Bruins should be favored or how they can beat one of these teams. You can make plenty of arguments for how they were going to struggle in any of them as well. So, I think if you're the Bruins, I don't think you're not going to see David Pasternak. You know, I, I don't think they're going to rest him, let's say, for the last two and a half, three weeks of the season, but. 
I also don't think you should be rushing these guys back. Like if, if he's good enough to maybe play in a playoff game, that's good. But let, wait till he's at least fully healed or at least in a, a state where he's not going to be 70%, 80% by the time the playoffs arrive. Yeah. I, again, I, we talked about this on Poke the Bear last week. Again, like prioritizing rest or not rushing guys back over playoff positioning. I mean, you're just seeing it every year and every, and you see with the NBA right now, like it's hard to try to master where you want to slot up in the playoffs. Like it's difficult to do. And I think again, like as, as you said, right. List of matchups, Florida, Toronto, Tampa, Carolina, New York, like are any of those ones are like, Oh, that's, that's who they got the play. one. Yeah. Like, I think it's luck. I think it's luck. Again, if you catch Tampa in a bad series or you catch Florida or whomever, like, to me, it just comes down to luck on that end. And I think you put yourself in the best position to face these teams if guys are healthy or at least close to it. And you saw like on set Sunday, every time a Bruin went into the corner, you'd kind of wince because Garnet Hathaway would be flying in or Tom Wilson or TJ Oshie and finishing a hit. And it's like, you know, you don't need Carlo shaken up or Grizzlick shaken up or McAvoy shaken up. You shaken up after uh, trying to lay a hit on Lars Eller in the neutral zone or right in, in the, top of his own end so safe bet safe bet uh that uh the bruins need to rest up for the playoffs and be healthy but when we're talking really safe bets you always know they're going to be healthy so our good friends over at bet online our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all of the latest sports developments including updated odds on the playoffs fights and even next season's futures and do not forget the baseball is back and the start of the major league baseball season is finally here. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, use promo code CLNS 50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game stats all right so this is the conversation i'm really excited for because this is one we've we've not talked about this in a long time there was a stretch in 2020 where all we talked about was tory krug tory krug tory krug tory krug because it was question whether or not he resign he wanted to be back but was he worth giving an eight-year deal to kind of all these different things and he returns he returns to td garden for the plays the bruins for the first time tonight Tuesday. Um, so, you know, if you're listening on Wednesday or Thursday, maybe he scored three goals. Maybe he didn't do anything. I saw someone on Twitter say like, should they give him a tribute video? And I was like, excuse me, should they give him a tribute video? What do you think? I, the tribute video I want is for him at the end of the tribute video to take off his blues Jersey and have like a, you know, a Bruins Jersey on underneath, you know, it just comes back. Cause I'll play for free. Um, just hits Robert Thomas again. Yeah. See, it's on his own bench. You know, they, they, maybe they'll put that in the, uh, in the video. That would be pretty sick. But, you know, the question is, it's been two, you know, almost two seasons now without Tory Crew, which is wild to think. Felt like that guy was kind of a Bruins lifer, but uh, he comes back. And since then, it's kind of hard to tell, right? Because I I still uh, stand firm in that he wasn't a great investment eight years. You know, what did he end up getting? Was it 72 million? No, it wasn't. It wasn't nine million a year. It was... um, did he get seven a year or eight? I think seven, right? It was, yeah. Cause it was like an eight year, maybe $56 million deal. Um, 
But again, the Blues six came out. Six and a half. Okay, six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah, seven so years, I, six, blah, blah, blah. seven years, six and a half. So seven <laughs> years, forty-five point five. Seven. Okay. So, so yeah, um, a little less than maybe we expected him to get, but still, it was like I think six million was like the most we agreed on that we that we dole out to him. But he needed to secure the bag, right? So, in your estimation, how have things gone since? Because I think there are two camps. One wasn't worth the money, but two, what have you replaced him with? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one where it's, you can make arguments for both. I still think at the end of the day, when you look at how they've addressed uh, his absence, I think they're in a good spot. You know, I, I think one thing people probably are looking at now, just in the way things are trending, they're probably looking at that power play and his loss there, which valid Tory Krug is a fantastic, you know, power play quarterback. But I also think that you look at, you know, where they're struggling, where it's, you know, not moving the puck with authority and things like that. I also feel like you look at last year where Grizzly had a lot of those reps and that power play was still top five. Like, I still think one way you could kind of tweak that power play is putting Grizzly back up there if he's healthy, because that's one thing he's very good at is getting the puck and moving it right away and getting, you know, the PK unit on their heels more or less. And it's easier to find that soft area of the ice where a guy like Bergeron can bury in the bumper or you've got Pasternak at his, you know, in his office for the one-timer. So, uh, you know, I think you've missed him a little bit there, but you've got the personnel to you know, replace what you're, what you should be getting from Krug in that situation. And I kind of think now with Lindholm, it kind of assages those concerns a little bit in terms of his presence out there. Not to say Krug would have been a top pairing guy here, but you've got Lindholm in place. And then you allow a guy like Grizzlick, for example, let's say to, to slot in with Kahlo. And maybe that's the guy who's missed Krug the most is Kahlo just because oh, for sure. when they, when they were on, they were so good together, especially we've mentioned it plenty of times, but that cup run in 2019, that was their best all around deep air throughout that entire run. They were dynamite. Um, so I think maybe the, the biggest area you probably miss him is just the, the leadership perspective. And he was, I think such an important guy, for a while um, as being that guy that bridged that gap, right. Between the the old guard that have been there for a long, long time, the Bergeron, Chara, Krejci. So then you had this like big gap and then you had, you know, McAvoy, Pasternak. He was kind of that middle ground. Now, obviously, Kira Krug isn't there anymore, but you've still, you kind of have populated that a little bit now with, uh, you know, Taylor Hall, uh, Charlie Coyle, these guys that are kind of in that mid tier as well. So they at least have, you know, accounted for that as well, but definitely a guy like crew who everyone in the room loved him. Um, you look at just his presence of, of what he brought to this team. He's definitely missed in that regard. But I think when you look at it, probably from just the, the cold, you know, business side of things and in terms of what the production is going to be, he's still a very good player, but it seems like they've done a, a solid job with at least replicating what some of that production is, whether that's Grizzly or now Lindholm, which creates the opportunity for more guys to kind of, move further down the depth chart on that left side of the defense. Yeah. I mean, again, I think uh, from the business side, they did the right thing. It just kind of came afterwards. Like, yes. you know, cause again, I, I don't think they had a set plan to move on. I don't think maybe they expected him and Chara to leave in the same off season. And I do think, again, you, you remember that left side going into last season, who was it? It was like Grizzlick. Um, you had Zaboral there for a bit. Yeah. Um, Lows on So you didn't have much. So I think it kind of came down to, I think they expected Mike Riley to be kind of that Tory Krug-like player. He was last season, not as much this season. And then I think they kind of made up for it with the Hampus Lindholm thing. I think that kind of is like, all right, you don't really need Krug anymore. Because um, again, you have Grizzlick, you have Riley. 
you have puck movers and, and Lindholm can move the puck as well. So I think now it's, it's good. I think that if we did this a year ago, we'd be saying there was no yes. plan in place. Like what was that? Um, so I do think that again, like definitely missed, uh, but you now nowadays with Lindholm and, and Riley and Grizzlick and even guys like Forbert, you have depth on that left side, you know, makes it look like a plan. And Ty was actually saying to me once, and I think he might've said this to you, um, that the Bruins kind of replaced Krug and Chara originally with Char with uh, Forbert and like Mike Riley. And you kind of look at that and you go, uh, uh, not great, but now you have Lindholm, right? And now you have, um, you know, Grizzlick's been stepping up a bunch. So I think there, there, there's, it hasn't been, a, you know, that wasn't like a total failure on their part. And remember how bad things got at the end of that contract negotiation where like, I think it was uh, Krug said in the blues press room was like, yeah, they didn't even offer me. They like, they rescinded their offer. I think, I think the Bruins rescinded the offer. So um, really tough, really tough with that. And it stinks because he was a guy who should have won a cup here. Like that was one of the people who I think should have won um, a Stanley cup. And this year, I mean, he's been, I was looking, he's not super high. I think he's the, the, the second highest, uh, point total by a defenseman on the blues. I think Justin Falk was like one more than him. Have yeah. you seen any of Krug this year? Is there any, I mean, he's like- been as advertised. He's also dealing with injuries. So I don't know if it's even a, a given that he's playing. I think he's traveling with them on this road trip, which is encouraging. You hope he gets out there, gets out there. But I think that's one thing you had to worry about with this long-term deal. A guy like that, who granted he's, he's built well, like we saw in that Robert Thomas play, like he can throw his weight around too for a smaller guy, but that's still a lot of risk for a guy that, makes his bread and butter in terms of his offensive production and, and staying in there and being kind of your offensive conduit for a, a job as demanding and as uh, draining as, you know, a top pairing defenseman that adds up. So that's one of the risks you have to assume when it comes to handing it out to a guy like that. So still a very good player, still skilled. I'm sure he's a key cog in that, in that room in St. Louis, but I think if you look at just the Bruins, their long-term goals, it probably just didn't coincide with what they were looking for in terms of what Krug especially deserved to get for his payday. Yes. Deserved is the key word. I also think it's interesting what the blues did where they let Petrangelo go, but they signed yeah. Krug and that was kind of a smart move. How <laughs> it ended up actually kind of working out pretty well. Okay. Cause now Vegas is tied down with all this money and uh, might not even see him come the summer when the playoffs begin. But anyways, that is today's Bruins beat uh, Connor. What can the people look forward to from you? Yeah. we're going to have all of our usual coverage over at Boston So all of the, Daily game reports, columns, previews, all that stuff will be over at BSJ, as well as uh, some features that we're working on that we're hoping to drop pretty soon. So uh, all that stuff will be over at bostonsportsjournal.com. So please subscribe. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. <laughs>